Hello, listeners. Welcome to our Vacation Week episode of Hi, How Are You? We are taking this week off because Hava is in surgery recovery. She messaged me and said that she is in, quote, bimbo limbo, unquote. But recovery is going well for her, and we're going to return next week. So we hope you enjoy this episode from our patron-only feed that we're releasing. If you want to hear more patron-only episodes, we have a huge backlog. If you sign up on patreon.com slash hi, how are you? You can find them there. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this rerun. Thank you all for your support, and Shavua Tov. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. How are you? I'm great. I'm wonderful. Oh, wow. Really? Yes. Yes, really. <laughs> what the fuck? What do you mean, what the fuck? <laughs> that's un- that's unusually um, undiluted positivity about your current state of being. What's going on? What's going on? I'm just, I'm high on navigating like bureaucratic, homeowner related <laughs> energy assessment like i'm just figuring out you know the rebates and the i see just deep and that that is good for you and not torture like it would be for me well i mean it's torture in that like none of this stuff should exist and like my taxes should be twice as high and there should just be a stream of people coming here being like we need to all be on solar or whatever Right. Here's some solar panels paid for right. by everyone's just jacked up taxes. Right. But we don't live in that system. But I don't know. It's very Talmudic, you know, figuring it all out in a, in a mm-hmm. certain sense. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Navigating an elaborate system. Yeah. It's just a puzzle at the end of the day. Yeah. A puzzle that shouldn't exist, but... Well, I'm glad your your Hellraiser puzzle box exploration has has been giving you life. Yeah. It brings me... Some amount of silver lining joy. Driveway's almost done. Skeeter's in my lap. Oh, that sounds blissful. It is kind of nice. I have some fun things for you today. You know. Oh. Just feeling great. Positive. I'm thrilled. How are you, Hava? Baruch Hashem. I've done something, something truly outlandish. Something I haven't talked about on this podcast in a long time. Can you guess what it is? First things that come to mind are freak out about a guy. <laughs> no, that would be a real twist. Uh, do some sort of illicit substance. Nope. Um, nope. I don't know. I don't know. I have, after 640 hours, restarted my Animal Crossing <gasps> What? <laughs> Why? Why? I know, I know. I just wanted the experience of going through it all again. I mean, this is like, honestly, this I feel like is such a philosophical thing. I feel like I totally understand the perspective of souls that like choose to get reincarnated time and time again. You know, they're up there in heaven and they're like, 
I just want to go through it all again. I know it was hard. I know I put countless hours of blood, sweat, and tears into living, but I just want to do it all again. What are you going to do differently this time? So this time, no time traveling. I am going in with an attitude of just saying yes. So I have just accepted whatever villagers show up. Oh. I haven't put any energy into finding specific villagers. I'm trying to have like a maximally chill and nourishing experience this time. So I'm doing something really wild, which is I'm journaling my Animal Crossing island. I mean, a lot of people who are more organized than me, you know, like Animal Crossing journaling used to be like a huge Instagram fad in its early days. But um, yeah, I've like always wanted to journal in general. It's one of those things that I feel like is always being recommended as a mental health measure that just I have never liked or like been able to stick to. So instead of recording my fish and stuff that I catch in an app, I'm like writing it all down and then I'll just do a little real life journal entry at the bottom of that. I'm going to see if I can trick myself into journaling. Wait, wait. So are you also going to send the fish to the museum? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just I'm instead of keeping track of it in an app, which is what I would usually do. I'm doing a whole handwritten journal of my island progress. Oh, this reminds me of like different prayer practices and stuff. Animal Crossing as prayer. Uh, this is my uh, <laughs> thesis, which I'll be defending today. I don't understand. <laughs> and that's okay. That's you know, okay. honestly, I'm just glad you played enough of it that you can understand the gravity of this choice. Like, that's enough for me yeah. to be fully gratified by this interaction. Okay, great, good. But so far, it's been, like, so blissful. Today is day two, so I haven't done very much, but I've, like, cleared all the weeds off the first part of my little island and oh, okay. set up, the, you know, the initial villagers and chopped down a bunch of wood, you know caught so many bugs and fish when you said it was so blissful uh, the way it followed the previous sentence you said it mm -hmm. made it seem like this conversation that we're having is so blissful well that's true too every conversation we have is blissful michael well, isn't that nice you're at peace with everything i'm happy here right. we are this is going to be the most boring podcast episode we've ever recorded. <laughs> There's not going to be any pain and suffering to fuel our madness, which is usually what keeps us going. Well, would you like to hear what I've brought? Yes. Tell me something good. All right. Shabbat 153B is what I'm bringing. Great. A banger. Yes. Okay. So some context. There's this big discussion about various things you're allowed to do on Shabbat. And mm -hmm. there's this whole Hillel versus Shammai happening in the Mishnah level where there's like 18 things that Shammai said that Hillel disagreed <laughs> with that actually we all like still follow now. That sounds like a BuzzFeed listicle. It is. It's like the BuzzFeed <laughs> listicle where Shammai was right and Hillel was wrong. Right. 18 times Shammai was actually right. You won't believe number seven. One of the things I think it's related to that list of 18 things is giving your purse of coins or your money or your stuff that's in a bag to a Gentile so they can okay. carry it across a public domain because, you know, you're not supposed to carry stuff across a public domain on Shabbat. So they're talking about this ruling and they're talking about what do you do if there isn't a Gentile, but you have a donkey or you have like a kid. So this is like someone sending something with like a courier, basically. Well, not really. That's not the intention. The intention is just you want to carry something 
but all okay, you have available to you. So you a, might have this Gentile just like walking beside you as yes, you go about yes. your day. Or a child. Okay. Or a child, or a donkey, you know, or a f- fish goat, or a, you know, phoenix, you know, one of the numerous creatures of the Talmud. Yeah, and there's some like problematic categories of people they also include right. as like I'm potential sure. that aren't as halakhically liable, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. But anyway, so one of the exceptions to the rule that they were very kind of like, oh, like there is one thing you can do if you have none of these things available. Rabbis hate this one neat trick. Yes, it actually is. It says like the rabbis keep this a secret. Okay, great. I can't wait to hear this one trick that rabbis hate. You can carry less than four cubits worth of stuff at a time. So you break it up into little tiny pieces and you can carry it. So all of that could be like an episode in and of itself. It's got Mm -hmm. all the things. Right. Somewhere in another universe, there's another Michael and another Chava who make all the episodes that we say could be another episode. Yeah. So this is in response to this. Tanya Ravi Eliezer, Omer, Bobayom Godsho Sa'ah, Ravi Yehoshua Omer, Bo Bayom Mahaku Sa'ah. It's taught that Rabbi Eliezer said, on this day, presumably the day that the sages revealed this loophole. Right. On this day, they, the rabbis, made a big heap. This is he's speaking metaphorically. He okay. they filled up a vessel with a big heap, the vessel being the law, something like oh, that. Oh, okay. Rabbi Yehoshua said, on this day, the rabbis rubbed out, smoothed, or leveled the measure. They leveled the, you know, the surface of this vessel. So this is all very metaphorical. Okay. Don't worry. Second sugya gives an illustration of what they're talking about, and it, it kind okay. of gives the metaphor a little bit more meaning, perhaps. I don't know. We'll see. So Tanya Mashal de Rabbi Eliezer Loma Chavadar Dome Lakupa Malea Kishuin Vidiluin. Fucking Kishuin back again. Kishuin. Yeah, I was hoping you'd recognize Kishuin. <laughs> okay. Adam Notain Latoka Hardale Lahi Mach Zeket. Here's an illustration. It's taught that this is an illustration of what Rabbi Eliezer meant with this metaphorical comparison to like heaping up a pile it's like the situation where you have a heap full of cucumbers right friend of the pod cucumbers friend of the pod kishuin cucumbers and gourds or cucumbers and pumpkins or you know something like that and then he adds to that heap mustard seeds Okay. So imagine you have like a vessel full of gourds and pumpkins. Oh, so this is like that. This is, I feel like, an illustration that was done in front of me in possibly elementary school where you have like a vessel and you have like golf balls, sand, and pebbles. And it's like, what order do you put them in so that they'll all fit? You know, and if you put the big stuff in first, everything will sort of like fall in the cracks and fill it up. But if you put the little stuff in first, right, 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 then the big stuff will sit on top of it. Very like uh, that vibe. Yes, yes, that's exactly it. And because you're adding the mustard, this strengthens the pile. Okay. (laughs) So the the mustard seeds, lehi mach zeket, it strengthens that pile of produce. Right. And you walk by and you think, that's a strong pile of cucumbers. Yeah, it's a very, mm, mm, very swole pile of cucumbers. 
So returning back to what Eliezer said, that on that day they made a heap of the measure, something like that, some mm-hmm. shady translation that I'm doing because who knows. But they're saying that it's like the rabbis are adding these rules, these exceptions maybe, about like how you can skirt the rule and mm-hmm. it's just strengthening the halakha that's already there. I see. So the one weird trick is... You might call it the exception that proves the rule. Yes, and it doesn't take away from the existing halakha. Right, right. They're saying the loophole is actually makes everything that's non-loophole stronger. It's a negative space which defines the positive halakha. Yeah, or it, it it makes it possible for us to like still perform the mitzvah of not working on Shabbat, and that's good. Like that's the mm, mustard seeds. Got it. Better to use a loophole than to break it all together. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. But we have a disagreement with this. Mashal de Rabbi Yehoshua lama chavadar dome la erevam malea devash notain latocha rimonim veegodim. To illustrate Rabbi Yehoshua's metaphor and what he meant by it, imagine the situation where you have a tub or a trough full of honey, and then into the honey you put pomegranates and nuts. Probably not like full-size pomegranates, probably pomegranate <laughs> right. seeds. Right. And the result of that is... Something delicious, it sounds yes. like. makia <laughs> literally to it from vomit so like the vessel overflows yes that's what i see so it's like the the, this case is like the straw that broke the camel's back yeah 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 and i think the sugya after this like explains no 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 it's actually rashi who explains what's meant by like to it from vomit Mm -hmm. like that Yehoshua thinks that this is gonna, this loophole exception might make it so someone actually makes a mistake and breaks it, or like it's, or I it's see. not in good faith. I don't know. I don't know what Rashi's saying. Rashi doesn't know what Rashi's saying. Who knows what Rashi's saying? But what's cool about this, what I thought was cool, was we have two different ways of thinking about halacha metaphorically. Both of which are concave objects. Well, both of the halachas fit into concave objects. Right, exactly. So one is like you have these solid rules. You have gourds and cucumbers. And the other one is you have this liquid honey. I don't like necessarily subscribe to either of them. It all sounds great and delicious, but it does make me think about what we talked about in our main episode and what we continuously talk about is that halakha isn't written down in stone right in, in a certain right. way like it's written in cucumbers and honey. It's written in cucumbers and honeys and sometimes it's helpful to think of it as honey that overflows if you like change anything or maybe it's helpful to think about as big objects that you can like fill in the gaps i think it's funny because usually we think of like fluidity as something that's like a little bit more lax and editable but in this case Mm -hmm. the honey makes it more like you'll lose the halakha you'll lose your honey right if you add stuff to it so it's it's interesting opposite opposite of our general assumptions and it really does have to be a compromise between these two viewpoints because if everything was just loopholes like there would be no structural integrity to halakha you know like it wouldn't really be a a meaningful system of doing things yeah that's true if it was like so so flexible that there was no way for it to meaningfully change your behavior you know yeah yeah then you just have a, a big vessel full of mustard seeds and only like one cucumber 
floating right. in there. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And that doesn't strengthen the cucumber at all. No. If you know what I mean. No, it doesn't. Anyway, I just loved like halacha is honey or it is cucumbers and pumpkins or, or gourds in some sort of bowl. And right. We have a disagreement, at least on this particular point, I think it is on this particular point of whether or not this loophole should be used. Not on whether it exists. Generally, I'm friendly to the cucumber way of thinking. While you were reading that sugya, I was thinking about murder versus manslaughter. And just thinking about from a certain perspective, right, we learn in in Talmud that someone who destroys a life, it's as if they destroyed the whole world and someone who saves a life is as if they save the whole world. So from a certain perspective, you might think like whether you do it intentionally or not, like your effect is the same. And so you should be punished the same. But if you think about it, manslaughter is, is sort of like a kind of loophole, I feel like, that strengthens actually the definition of murder by its difference. Yes. By differentiating between the two, it sort of highlights the heinousness of murder through differentiation. Yeah. I don't think that, yes, I think that's true. I don't think that's that's what's going on with this loophole, though, because I think the equivalent of this loophole in the murder case Mm-hmm. would be like you found a way to murder someone like you gave the the knife to a gentile or something like that or like, <laughs> i didn't really murder them right because I just happened right to it's like them. a murder for hire situation yeah 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 i'm trying to think about how i feel about loopholes like that then it comes back to kind of what we always say that you can't it's hard to put these universals whether or not loopholes are good or bad. Right. You, you can't make a judgment on it in the abstract because the context always matters. I guess there's a way this might be like the the murder case I was talking about. Like, if you're a, a person educated on the Jewish law and you know that this loophole exists and you still choose to carry on Shabbat without using the loophole, it sort of serves to highlight the the error of your ways, right? It's like you knew a way out and you didn't take it. Yeah, I, I can see that. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of, I'm just trying to find other other examples and similarities and things that are more relatable than carrying things on Shabbat, which is sort of a area a lot of us don't think about very often. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to think of an example with a loophole. I just was more into the idea that there isn't one metaphor that encapsulates what God is. Mm-hmm. Or one. <laughs> I can tell someone's been reading the book we're going to be talking about on this podcast. Yes, yes. There isn't one metaphor that encapsulates what law is. I see. You know? I see. Yeah, that is cool. And that is cool because I think we both agree that law is not just the words written on the page. Right. We were talking about that a little bit in our last episode with what you brought about the nazarite about the nazarite like the exception that proves the rule mm-hmm. to me it was an example of there is no metaphor to describe the law that will serve as the thing that you can always jump off from and make your rulings and judgments from right another thing i like about this sugya is it really highlights the rabbis as sort of having a collaborative decision making process uh, I feel like it's really easy, even for those of us in the queer side of the Talmud world, to think of Talmud and, and of the rabbis of the Talmud as being this unified force because their voices come to us in a sort of single work. But this sugya really highlights, like, it feels like notes from a consensus-based meeting 
where things are sort of left, everyone sort of expresses their opinion and and then we just have to move on from it because we don't have enough time in the meeting. You know, one of them is like, this is the best halakha. I love this halakha. One of them is like, you are destroying everything, everything I've ever loved and cared about. And then they're like, well, I don't know. We have to move on. Yeah. Like, put it in the notes. Yeah. <laughs> put it in. Put it in the minutes. I wonder how this, I mean, I don't think this particular situation resolves, but I think Eliezer and Yehoshua, they were contemporaries of each other and rivals. And I think Yehoshua, the one who wasn't into this and compared it to Honey, at the end of the day, I think he kind of gives in to Eliezer, not on this issue, just in general. He's considered Mm -hmm. a little bit less, like, based, you know. (laughs) Or he was more based, that was the problem. Too based. Too based. Too based to be forgotten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, there you go. Great. What a delightful romp through the paradoxes of Mm. (laughs) whatever. (laughs) What am I? There's so many contradictions. Listeners at home can't see this, but Michael waggled his fingers very sarcastically. This week on Regular Episode, we are going to be talking about Russian Doll Season 1, Episode 5. The time has finally come for another Russian Doll episode. Really looking forward to diving into that one. It's a really fun episode. It's going to be great. So without further ado, I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you for continuing to support the show, continuing to allow us to explore the wide sea of Halakha. And I hope to continue bringing you silliness and wonder for years to come. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.